Welcome to Happy Hour with the Three Tomatoes. And no matter what time of the day you're listening, shouldn't every hour be happy? Cheers and enjoy the episode. Before we start our episode, let's talk girlfriend to girlfriend with a special message and a great offer from our friends at Pulse. We all know that when we go through menopause, we lose estrogen, but what we often don't talk about is how this can lead to intimacy issues. Sex can become uncomfortable and even painful. You may have tried personal lubes and were turned off by the sticky mess. Well, now there's a new line of awesome personal lubes that were created by a rock star team of women, doctors, engineers, chemists, and sociologists. You'll love Aloe A, a luxuriously smooth silicone-based lube with soothing aloe and vitamin E. HO2O is a natural water-based moisturizing lube made with hydrating organic chia extract, so there's no sticky icky mess here. You'll love the Pulse warming device too. Trust us ladies, the Pulse products are game changers when it comes to great sex at any age. Get 15% off all lubes with code 3TPULSE15, that's 3T Pulse 15. Go to lovemypulse.com. Hi, I'm Ronnie Jenkins with the Three Tomatoes. Welcome to our podcast. With me today is Joan Pagano. Joan is the author of best selling fitness books. She's an informational speaker on health and fitness topics and the owner of Joan Pagano Fitness in New York City. Former trainer to Jacqueline Onassis and Carolyn Kennedy, Joan has specialized in strength training for women since 1988. She's an authority on the benefits of exercise for women's health issues such as menopause, osteoporosis, and breast cancer, as well as strength training through the decades. She's a regular contributor to the Three Tomatoes, writing columns under the Aging Gracefully Takes Muscle. And as we start this new year, she recently wrote an article titled 10 Real Life Stats for the New Year. So let's start here, Joan. Why don't you tell our listeners some of the steps they can take into 2019? Hi, Ronnie. First of all, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here, to be speaking with you today when usually I am writing my blogs for the Three Tomatoes. (laughs) But yes, um, my latest blog post was, and you can find these on the Three Tomatoes website, of course, 10 real life fitness steps for the new year. So my approach is to really help people get moving It's not so much about exercise per se in the beginning, it's about just developing healthy habits, daily routines that will become habits and that will serve you over a lifetime. So number one is to make movement a daily habit. Now what is movement? Movement can be working your body any way that that it functions. So whether you are doing housework or walking someplace or taking the stairs, any kind of movement that you can incorporate during your day is great. If you want to take it a little bit further, you can do little increments of exercise throughout the day, like limbering exercises on the side of your bed in the morning, uh, kitchen counter push-ups while you're waiting for your coffee or your tea, desk stretches at your desk during the middle part of the day. And at the end of the day, stretches you could do on your couch while you're watching TV. So you can find opportunities, small moments of your day and build movement in. The advantage of this is that it will feed on itself. So the more that you move, the more you accommodate your body with movement, the more your body will crave movement. And as you develop these habits, we have found studies show 
that habits persist even when willpower is weak. So you will default to a habit if you're deliberating, let's say, whether or not you should work out and you're on the fence about it. If you have a habit of working out or doing some movement, working your body in some way, you will default to movement as opposed to not doing it. I think that's really important that you talked about those little moments that you have around the the household, because right here, we're in New York, and it's about 23 degrees out, so it's freezing, so a lot of people tend to hunker in when when it's cold outside, and you and I just briefly chatted before, and I had already said... You know, I've already been out. I went to the gym. I, I did my workout. But for those people who, you know, either don't have a gym membership, um, I think those are really great tips that you just shared that they can just do around the house on their own. It's great during the winter in inclement weather. Now, what I do on a day like today in this Arctic weather is I had three appointments this morning already. I had clients at 7, 8, and 9.30. And I walked in between my appointments so that I was accumulating increments of exercise in 10 or 15 minute doses. And this is another real life tip. The idea is that we need to accumulate about 30 minutes of movement most days of the week, at least five days of the week in order to reduce our risk of developing chronic disease. But it doesn't have to be all at once. If you don't have a half an hour to spend or you don't want to go out, if suppose you don't have a gym membership and you don't want to go out and walk for half an hour in this weather, you can do it in increments. And that's where the mentality, the mindset of finding opportunities to move really add up. Okay, if we're going to do an exercise, I would give you the one most functional exercise for life. Can you guess what it is? Ronnie, do you have any idea? Um, Stretching? Well, stretching is one very important aspect of a workout or of taking care of your body. But if I were to give you one strength training move for life, it would be a squat because it's a very functional move. It's the move that we need to get up from a seated position, from a chair, from a bathtub, from the toilet. And so it serves us throughout life. It also creates stability for walking ability and balance. It creates stability in the large muscle groups of the legs. So a squat in the perfect form for a squat, if I tell a room full of women just to do the move that they use when they go into a public bathroom, everybody does a perfect squat. (laughs) So just think about that. Yeah, no one ever wants to sit on those seats. No. <laughs> now, what about if someone ha- what about modifying some of those? Maybe if someone has uh, you know, knee problems or anything like that. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah, squats can be difficult if you do have knee problems, but there are variations. And it's kind of like a double-edged sword because it is a movement that we need to get up from a chair. So you're going to have to be getting up. That's called a sit-to-stand squat, actually. Mm-hmm. And even my 92-year-old client who is hanging on to her mobility, you know, it's, it's very uh, fragile at this point, can do 10 sit-to-stands. If that's too difficult for you, you can do a wall slide where you are leaning your body weight against the wall and you slide down so that your knees are over your ankles. You don't want to force your knees in front of your toes because that would be too much pressure on the knees. 
but you could slide down until you feel your quads burning in the front of your thigh. You'll feel them working. And if you can hold that position, you will be getting a really good strengthening move for the quadricep muscle, which is a really important one for walking and, and getting up, standing up from a seated position. Yeah, that's a great exercise. I know I try to do that um, in increments of, you know, one minute at a time, three minutes at a time, whatever that is. And it really does burn your thighs. Um, it's yeah, great. That's, that's how you know it's working. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, one of the things we also know is that our, our body slows down as we age. So we have less energy, less metabolism. One other article that you wrote for us was about the importance of the strength training in women. So why don't you talk a little bit about this as we enter each of the different decades. So you talked about in your 40s and your 50s and your 92-year-old client. How would you modify that as we age? Well, for each decade, there are different emphasis. As your body is aging, we find certain things are occurring to all of us but in a unique fashion. So how you're going to age is individual to you, but you can certainly do something about it by doing a well-structured exercise program of strength training, stretching, as you mentioned, and cardio exercise. So in your 40s, let's say, 40s are a wake-up call for a lot of women because they realize at that point they've had a couple of kids, they never lost their pregnancy weight from the first to the second or the third, and they're experiencing creeping weight gain and belly fat. And they're starting to see their parents aging. And you're starting to think about what, sh what should I do now in order to be in good shape when I'm 50 or 60 or 70. So we need to, at, at this point, at, at age 40, you start to lose muscle and bone causing a decrease in your metabolism of about 3% each decade. Your resting metabolic rate, which is the energy that it takes to simply sustain your basic bodily functions, accounts for about 60 to 75% of your total daily calorie burn. And it depends on your build, your weight, your genetics, your hormone levels, and your muscle mass. So two women of the same age, height, and weight can have very different resting metabolic rates, which is why some can eat whatever they want without putting on a pound, while others seem to gain weight just by looking at food. Mm -hmm. So the metabolism, we want to keep the metabolism revved up, and this is one of the big benefits of strength training. Strength training builds lean body mass, and lean body mass is metabolically more active than fat. So a lean body burns more calories at rest just while you're breathing, digesting food, circulating blood, even while you're sleeping. So we want the lean body mass. In your 50s, um, I find there is almost a rush of women who have had bone density tests that show that they have lost bone density in a concerning fashion. This has happened, I've had a couple of clients come to me who were measured by bone density tests, say 10 years prior or even 15 years prior, and have experienced a decline in bone density. This is so important to guard against having fragile bones that are likely to fracture. So we need to do strength training because as you're developing the muscle, you're also developing bone strength. In other words, there's what we call a parallel hypertrophy of muscle and bone. 
as you work the muscle, the muscle contracts, it pulls on the bone and it causes a slight deformation of the bone, which is a positive thing. And that creates bone strength. So you need to do strength training for all of the major muscle groups throughout the body, the legs, the back, the chest, the shoulders, the arms. And you also need to do weight bearing cardio exercise. In other words, any exercise where you are on your feet. So those are the two primary types of exercise for bone density. And this is an issue that shows up often in women's 50s. Now, one of, the things, one of the things you talked about, though, is, is this difference in, um, you know, as we talk about fat burning, um, is it better to burn calories or burn fat to lose weight? Right. So that's been a myth that's been promoted, I think, by the media, that you have to work in the, quote, fat burning zone. You notice on your cardio, your piece of cardio equipment, that they have the fat burning workout or the fat burning this or that. It's a myth because what really counts is total caloric expenditure. So you want to work at a level where you can burn the most calories. It doesn't really matter if those calories come from fat or protein or carbohydrate. It doesn't matter. It's just that you want to maximize calorie burn, total calorie burn. So for this, you need to do the most intensive exercise that you can handle that your joints and your body can handle. And this is important too. This intensity of exercise is important not only for burning calories, but just to go back for a second to the importance of the of, uh, strength training and, and exercise in your 60s. We got up through the 50s. We didn't talk about the 60s, but this is when we really start to lose a lot of muscle strength and the loss speeds up as we get older causing us to slow down, losing strength and vigor. So we need to rev up our exercise program. We have to fight back a little bit harder in our 60s, just when you sort of want to slow down a little bit. No, no, you can't. You have to, you have to defend against the signals of aging, which are mild but persistent. So they creep up on you as you're getting older. You don't notice it particularly day to day until something catches your attention. So what you need to do is you have to fight back harder by doing more intense cardio and heavier weights if you can handle them. Okay. And again, you talked about the importance of 30 minutes, but it doesn't have to be 30 consecutive minutes to, to do that. Um, Not at I, all. And, and there's a new, a recent study that was uh, published or was written up in, up in the New York Times that it says that even... 10 minutes of mild exercise, like walking the dog, is beneficial because it creates communication between the brain cells. So this is another issue that we're very concerned about as we're getting older is our cognitive function. And even getting out and walking your dog has a benefit for improving your memory and cognitive function. Yeah, and it's funny, even this morning, you know, I always, I notice every single year, the, the beginning of January, the, the gyms are packed with all the people who are, you know, doing their New Year's resolutions to get healthier and lose weight, and then kind of trip goes off by the end of January. But, you know, when you go to the gym, there are just so many choices to to do that. So it's a treadmill, the elliptical, a stair climber. Um, what do you recommend for people who want that that higher um, calorie burn to, to lose weight fast. And I know you said you have to modify it according to what you can handle, but. 
Right, absolutely. So you need to do interval training, which is where you can pick any piece of aerobic equipment that you want, whether it's a bike, although for bone density, you'd be better to do something where you're on your feet. Weight-bearing cardio would be a treadmill, the elliptical, stair climber, anything, cross-country ski machine, anything where you're on your feet. And then you warm up and um, then proceed to do intervals of higher intensity. So you ratchet it up and then you come back down again and you create intervals and they can be anything. They could be timed intervals or they could be distance intervals where you um, go up for, let's say you take your workout to a higher intensity for one to three minutes and recover for say, say double that. And then you repeat that several times. So the idea is that you're constantly challenging your body at higher levels of intensity and then going back and replenishing, resting a little bit, and then go for it again. And this has been found to be extremely effective, not only for weight control, but for health benefits. And in fact, even people who have chronic diseases, whom you never would think to give an interval training program to, have benefited. That, that's great. So what do you think? Do you, do you, would you say something like uh, three minutes on, one minute recovery? What would you recommend in terms of timing where people are just starting out doing this? Okay. First of all, remember that if your recovery periods are shorter than your intensity, you're going to go into a negative aerobic state, which is very painful. You're not going to be able to sustain that. So usually if you're just starting out, you would do, well, I'll give you an example. All right, this was, this was a uh, study that was done in Japan. They took a 30-minute continuous walking program, and they said, go out moderately for three minutes and then pick up the pace for three. Okay, that's a six-minute interval, and do it five times. That's a very modest kind of approach, and certainly most of us are used to walking unless you have you know certain issues that that prevent you from doing full, full out walking, but that would be a great way to start is just take your 30 minute session. Instead of doing a continuous pace, think three minutes, warm up a little bit, you know, always warm up before interval training and cool down, but warm up and then do your three minutes um, of intensity, three minutes of recovery, three minutes intensity, three minutes recovery, and repeat that five times. That's a really good workout. Good. That's great advice. Um, one of the other articles you, you wrote about, and, and again, I know, you know, as I'm getting older and speaking with my friends, one of the, the biggest issues is on belly fat. So you've got this wonderful video series called Beat Belly Fat, Bloating, Bone Loss in the Blues. Oh, yeah. Simple steps to a better you. So can you tell us some of those additional steps? Because you know, we always, all we hear about is, is the belly fat is not necessarily about your exercise. It's all diet, diet, diet. Well, diet is, you know, dieting or let's say nutrition absolutely pays a role, but there's a lot that you can do for, um, with exercise. So number one, you want to do interval training. You want to burn the most calories that you can in the shortest period of time. That's interval training. You also want to do strength training because strength training, full body strength training has been shown that women who do that gain less belly fat than those who don't. So already two things that we've discussed. 
And Joan, um, when you talk about strength training, I'm sorry, can you can you talk a little bit about the weights women should be lifting? Because I know I've heard some of my friends say, oh, I don't want to bulk up or, you know, I don't want to this or that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, should they do be doing uh, 10 pound dumbbells, three pound dumbbells? What should women be be lifting? Good question. If you're just starting out, you could use soup cans in your kitchen, you know, just go light and learn proper form and alignment. It's very important that you are able to stabilize your shoulders and your pelvis, get the proper spinal alignment before you start lifting weights, which is actually why I start with four bodyweight exercises, squats, push-ups, back extensions, which is a back bend, and abdominal compressions like a pelvic tilt. So those four basic, I call them the four for life, those four exercises, master them first in proper form because they will give you a foundation of strength and endurance throughout your body before you start adding external resistance. Then if you're just starting, I would suggest women get two sets of dumbbells, a lighter set, say three pounds and five pounds, if you're just starting out, and a little bit heavier set maybe five pounds and eight pounds, or eight pounds and 10 pounds, depending on where you are in your program, if you've been lifting, if, you know, if you've taken a break, if you're just starting out, first of all, you don't wanna hurt yourself. So you need to get um, that foundation of strength. You, it's a good idea to consult with an exercise professional once or twice, just to get the foundation of form and alignment down. But then I say threes and fives, or fives and eights, um, it really depends on, you know, where you are in your progression. Okay, and that's great. And it, people don't even need to have a gym membership for, for that. And, and, you know, the dumbbells are fairly um, inexpensive. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. You that's can work great. out at home. It's efficient, it's economical, and it's effective. And even those four body weight, if you're not doing anything, start with wall push-ups against the wall. That's the least least stressful kind of push-up. And then you could advance to a diagonal push-up against the kitchen counter, like I mentioned. And by the way, if you go to my website um, you, and sign up for the Fitness Refresh Program, you're gonna get 10 little videos of things that you can do around your house or apartment, just like what we're talking about. So push-ups and squats, you could do a sit-to-stand squat to start before you go into a full stand-to-sit squat or even a weighted squat. Um, abdominal compressions, pelvic tilts, and back bends, because back bends are a very positive um, movement for spinal, uh, not only for posture, but for the bone density of your spinal uh, bones. That's great. And I love that tip about the about the soup cans as well. And you know, you could just do stuff while you're out there doing uh, housework. Um, so let's move on. One of the things that I, I really admire about you is that you're this fitness consultant to a group called SHARE, which is a cancer support group, and you've worked with breast cancer survivors since 1992. So I know we're about to wrap up, but maybe can you tell us a little bit of the success stories there and we'll kind of like wrap it up on a high note. Sure, that's a great idea. I had a client years and years ago who had had breast cancer and made such dramatic progress in her fitness training program with me that she felt there must be other women who would benefit as well. And it only made sense to me that if you were having breast cancer surgery, radiation, or chemo, that there would be 
there would be exercise that would help you. But nothing was being done at that time in the early 90s. The, the cosmetic and the um, fashion companies hadn't jumped on the bandwagon. So I started poking around. I was really a pioneer in this area, poking around in medical libraries. Some physical therapists were very generous with their post-rehab programs and shared the exercises and moves with me. And I was fortunate enough to know the chief of plastic and reconstructive surgery at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital, who did about 80% of his work in breast reconstruction. And he acted as my medical supervisor. And I created a um, guidelines for women who've had breast cancer and became affiliated with the group SHARE and gave workshops there. So I had a lot of interaction with women breast cancer survivors and found that what worked for them and what types of exercise were were very helpful. And again, you have to think about the three aspects of a well-rounded fitness program are, as I mentioned before, strength training, stretching, and cardio. So I took those three aspects and I said, all right, how do they apply to this population? So obviously, right after surgery, you need to do flexibility and mobility exercises in order to um, loosen up the surgical areas, stretch them out, and restore normal posture. And then strengthening the muscles. Sometimes you have to strengthen the muscles around an area. If you've had a certain kind of reconstruction, you can't really, maybe can't work that particular muscle, but you can work the muscles around it. So you need to do strength training around the joints in order to uh, relieve back pain and neck stiffness and for full body conditioning. And then of course, for aerobic, aerobic capacity will help in terms of stamina. It's very normal during chemotherapy to be at very low, low energy. And just even as we said before, getting out for mild exercise will be helpful for, for rebuilding and for your cognitive function, for having a positive attitude. Well, that's great, and I, I'm sure the women that you've worked with over there are so grateful for all of your expertise in that. One of the things I know I have added into my New Year's resolution is to um, have more uh, matcha, because I just read an article that it essentially, um, there was a study where it stops cancer cells, breast cancer cells, from multiplying and basically stops them in their tracks. So I know we always talk about on this podcast either doing it at happy hour and having a martini, but <laughs> I have a smoothie here with my new resolution of more organic Japanese matcha. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> good tip. Very so good tip. I'll raise a glass for that. <laughs> there you go. Excellent, Ronnie. Good, good yeah. tip. So thank you. So Joan, again, you know, you've written so many fitness books, you have the coaching, you offer online courses, personal training, um, you know, our listeners can go find you at the Three Tomatoes under the Aging Gracefully Takes Muscle. They can go to your website, joanpagano.com. JoanPaganoFitness.com, I'm sorry. And thank you so much for joining me into this new year and, and giving so many great tips again as we age, whether it's regarding weight loss or just getting healthier in general at a gym or at home. I really appreciate it. So I'm raising my smoothie to you. So <laughs> thank you, Ronnie. And Thanks so much for having me, really. It's always my pleasure to be with the three tomatoes, any of the tomatoes. Yes, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to see you in person. So, great. Thank you so much, Joan. Have a great day. Thank you. And the same. Bye-bye.